Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Rick Uccino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. What is going on? Happy Friday. We made it, ladies and gentlemen. It's the end of the week. And we got a lot to recap from the week that was in professional wrestling. Welcome into the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast, Rick Uccino, SP3. If you're new to the show, thank you for joining us. If you like what you hear, give us that little thumbs up button. If you really like what you hear, go ahead and hit subscribe while you're at it as well. And turn the freaking bell on, folks, so you get those notifications. Just like when I dropped my exclusive interview with Apollo Crews. I say exclusive like he didn't talk to like nine other outlets too. But my exclusive interview with Apollo Crews that dropped at 9 a.m. this morning. Make sure to check that out. Talking all things Halloween Havoc this weekend. Talking about how he lost his passion for pro wrestling and got it back with the move to NXT. little Halloween conversation as well. Some dad-to-dad costume talk as far as daughters are concerned. It was all around a good time with Apollo Crews, and that is available now here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling YouTube channel and on the podcast channel available anywhere podcasts are. SP3, how are we doing this fine Friday? I am doing fabulous this Friday. It is a Friday. It's the end of the week. The weekend is here. We got Halloween Havoc coming up this weekend. We got some New Japan shows. New Japan has their big shows in New York. I'll be there next Thursday for their uh their mystery vortex type show the mystery card so i'll be there front row for that one uh friday night i don't know if i'll be there for the second show maybe maybe not but (laughs) it it, it's a good week uh and it's been a, a very interesting week in wrestling it was very weird having a wednesday with no wrestling I know. I very much, I very much uh, felt like I was in a desert and hadn't drank in a while when Impact came on on Thursday. Oh, just thirsty, just straight up thirsting for it. Yeah, it was weird. And like Wednesday rolls around, it's like if you're not into playoff baseball, did the NBA start by Wednesday or was that? Yeah, yeah. That that's what I watched. I watched that. I I watched that from like uh, seven to like one a.m. in the evening. So the the NBA and free league pass week. (laughs) <laughs> has been hitting me up, so I know we got to plug our friends at, at Bet Online. It's a good, it's a good time. You got the NFL. This is the only time of the year. NFL, NBA, MLB, all running at once. MLB playoffs. NFL's already going. NBA opening week this week. My Lakers are zero two. So I'll let Rick continue. I was gonna say, hey, don't forget MLS. You know, I'm I'm in mourning. FC Cincinnati lost to the Philadelphia Union last night, so they got they got knocked out. But uh, in the yeah, NHL, really, huh? And the NHL, Columbus has won like two matches. So yeah, matches, games, whatever the fuck they're called. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, hey, if you're into sports like we are, all the sportsy sports sports, football's back, MLB, MLS, all the ones we mentioned, tennis, boxing, golf, they're all there. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs this season. You'll get the latest odds, matchup information, player news, and game trends. And as your continued source for all your sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all NFL season long, all year round. Go to betonline.ag to join. Receive your 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just make sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that is B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. I said 
Bet online where the game starts. And speaking of 100, I forgot to mention when I told y'all to subscribe earlier, when we get to 500 subscribers, one of y'all is winning $100 to either WWE or AEW shop on us. That's free merch. Go get your Sizz Me Daddy Ass shirt. Go get all the new Bray Wyatt merch that's going to be coming out. Scissors all around. Screw you, smart Mark Sterling and your lawsuits. Anyway, by the way, Renee Paquette just doing that subtle little bat down to... That is what she brings to the table, and she's so fucking good at what she does. But anyway, uh, I digress. Uh, get right all... there, and with the Danielson Yuta promo yeah. segment, her facial expressions there were tremendous. That was uh, a little difficult to pay attention to because the sound system in uh, Heritage Bank Center sucks. And uh, John Moxley even cut a promo after the show on the sound system, which was absolutely uh, hilarious. Regardless, uh, check out my pinned tweet for all the details on the giveaway. At Rick Uccino, as you see it on the screen for those listening to the podcast, it's R I C K U C C H I N O. Follow him as well. True Heel SP3. No E in the true. And let's dive into this. We we do got to talk about dynamite and everything that happened, uh, including the unfortunate main event, but the uh, setup that happened afterwards. Again, weird that it was on a Tuesday this week, but it was still a damn good show. Uh, some new reports coming out from the Wrestling Observer, including the possible return of one of SP3's favorite events. We had just the IWC go absolutely batshit insane this week over a AEW dark match. I can't believe that those words just came out of my mouth, but massive, massive double standard in my book. We will talk about that. Bianca Belair made history this week. We got Halloween Havoc to dive into, but SP3, our lead story today in the Wrestling Observer report today, Dave Meltzer confirming that, uh, or at least reporting that, AEW is in now buyout talks with CM Punk. We we've gotten our first movement this week on anything surrounding that brawl since it happened two months ago. A steel has officially been released from the company, which surprised only him uh, <laughs> reportedly. Uh, nobody else is shocked by that. Um, but the fact that we now have buyout conversations regarding CM Punk to get the rest of his years uh, purchased and him getting a lump sum and basically getting sent back home to Chicago or at least getting to stay in Chicago, whatever he's doing right now. Um, Meltzer says this, this casts a major doubt over obviously whether or not he's going to be back in AEW. And it definitely sounds like he's done. There's, there's one hang up reportedly right now, which we'll get into in a moment because it's an interesting one. But when you read this story, buyout discussions one year after he returns, I mean, it, it's, it's almost, it, it just feels wrong that if this is the end, it's ending this way. It feels even sadder than how he ended his WWE run because the WWE run was built up over years. Literally, this comes, this all started with a promo. With someone with the with the with the with a guy who's in his his early thirties going in, in Punk's mind going into business for himself, mm-hmm. and he felt the company and the EVPs didn't handle the business right, and it just all sputtered out from there. But CM Punk, and I don't think that even he, in retrospect, years from now, will be able to look back on this and say that he handled this this uh the right way. And I think in retrospect, AEW could have handled this a lot better. But 
it's really, really sad that this might mark the end of CM Punk's run in a in AEW in probably in wrestling. Because I, I mean, even though you know we're gonna talk about you know, the uh, non compete clause and the option for WWE to possibly swoop in, I don't see that happening. I think that if this is the end of his run in AEW and especially how it's going down. I think this is the end of CM Punk in professional wrestling. Well, I mean, you brought it up. Uh, Meltzer saying that the, the non-compete clause is the hang-up in the buyout deal right now. And the reason why that is interesting is because if there was 0% chance that CM Punk is going to WWE, or at least had 0% interest in going to WWE or, or AEW, the fact that AEW is working with him on a non-compete clause there has to be at least some thought there that he could go to somebody else. And let's be honest, the only other place that he would go would be WWE, whether it's because they're the only ones that are going to give him the bag that he wants to come back. And I'm sure that bag would have to be bigger than what he got in AEW for sure. But I mean, the fact that this is hanging out there, it, it, it does kind of, Make you wonder, holy crap, could that be a possibility? Could he return to WWE out of spite? Like, literally out of spite for how things ended in AEW? Does he want to go back and end his wrestling career in another way? Or does he just not care anymore? I don't know. I mean, let's be honest. CM Punk's relationship with Triple H wasn't exactly great. Uh, probably, maybe even worse than it was with with CM Punk or with uh, with Vince McMahon. So I don't know if there would be interest on WWE's part. I don't know if there would be interest on Punk's part, but somebody thinks that there would be interest there if a non-compete is a hang-up in this deal. I mean, to me, this is Punk's perfect opportunity to do what he always wanted. He's always wanted to be Bret Hart. And Bret Hart, <laughs> you know, uh, he, he, he repaired his relationship with Vince McMahon to allow him to come back have one final match at a WrestleMania in WWE against Vince McMahon and go right out in the sunset until he wanted to go to AEW again. And then they re-signed <laughs> him to a Legends contract. But um, <laughs> nonetheless, 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 this is CM Punk's perfect opportunity. I think it, it might be a hang-up. My, uh, this is not me, like, reporting anything, but how I read the situation based on the report in Wrestling Observer is I think that AEW is just being on the safe side with any releases that they have That's that fair. you get a non-compete clause, especially if you're a release that had years left on your contract. Uh, I think it's similar to what they, you know, people were talking about with the whole Malachi Black situation. But with CM Punk, this is even bigger. This is the only person bigger than Cody Rhodes leaving AEW and going to WWE would be if CM Punk chose uh, got a buyout from AEW and went to WWE. This would be the big coup for Triple H to say that I'm like Vince McMahon. I can recover my relationships like Vince McMahon did with Bruno San Martino with the help of Triple H. With, yeah. ultimate, with Ultimate Warrior, with the help of Triple H, with uh, Brett the Hitman Hart. He did all of that. So this would this would be kind of the big stamp on Triple H's run as the head of creative in that Vince Man chair that he can do the same thing. So I think that AEW is being on the safe side. And I think that the reason that it's a hang up, what I'm reading into the situation is that CM Punk probably is like, no, I don't want a non-compete clause. I don't want to go to WWE. <laughs> yeah. he probably, he's probably saying that either 
honestly, facetiously, like he's saying it like, oh, yeah, I'm just saying this because I know this is what you want to hear. But yeah, I am thinking about going over there just to spite you for for having these EVPs uh, report (laughs) things to Dave Meltzer. That's how I feel because I'm CM Punk and I am one of the kings of petty. If it wasn't for the same guy from my my hometown of Chicago, Kanye West, I would be number one in pettiness. I mean, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? Like, I mean, this, he is petty, man. And it it all depends, right? Because it's like, who is he petty towards and who does he hurt most by going back to WWE? What is his relationship with Tony Khan? I have to feel like it's pretty good because it's never been, Tony Khan put everything behind CM Punk, literally put this company that, The EVPs and other people built, put it on CM Punk's back and said, carry us to the fucking promised land. And he stepped in a gopher hole and fell down a hill with the entire fucking company on his back. And now you got other people trying to lift it back up again. Um, You know, including the guy that Punk beat in Chicago for the AEW World Championship and John Moxley. So uh, Tony Khan has always had Punk's back. He has always been willing to have a long leash with CM Punk. So I have to imagine that the the Punk-Tony Khan relationship, while it may be on rocky ground right now, none of this was really any ill will or anger toward Tony Khan. So would CM Punk going back to WWE, who would that hurt the most? It would probably be Tony. So I don't know what that would accomplish. But at the same time, CM Punk, he may be the king of petty, He's also a businessman, and if WWE will come at him with that big-ass bag at age 42, however, 43, whatever the hell age that he's eligible to come back, also remember, he's injured right now. He's got a torn tricep, so he ain't going to be healthy until next year any damn way. He'll do it, man. He'll, if the business makes sense and they can clear a lot of red tape, I think he would do it. The question, the big question to me is, Would that be the best business decision? Triple H always talks about doing what's best for business. That is a question we will ask when we get to. If if I'm Triple H, I would be thinking, yeah, it's great for the image of, uh, you know, taking someone, probably the biggest star in AEW history away. Great. But it better be probably like a one year part time deal because anything longer than that, you risking a, a a cancer being in your locker room when the locker room is happier than it ever been. Yeah. And there's also a health factor. They got to look into that again. We'll dive into also that. True. Also we'll- true. Yeah. By the time he's he's healthy, he's going to be 44 years old. Probably. Yeah. Like, so. Ugh. We'll 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 dive into that more coming up here in the five count brought up John Moxley earlier. Uh, the King of Cincinnati had his night uh, this Tuesday in the Queen City. Uh, that place absolutely adores that man. Uh, the roof just blew off the Heritage Bank Center when he came out to the crowd. Red hot start to that main event between him and Hangman Page. Hangman Page doing the jump off of the uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, the, the opening there, the doorway there to the arena. Literally a row in front of me. I'm right there in front of Hangman as he's doing his backflip onto John Moxley. Mox is revving up the crowd. This was a white hot match that didn't even get started until after they had beaten the hell out of each other for like 10 minutes. They were really cooking with gas. And then unfortunately, just something as simple as a lariat, man. Uh, a lariat that, you know, Hangman put a little bit of extra English on like we have seen countless superstars do. 
and he just lands wrong. And I, I don't, I feel it kind of feels wrong saying this, but thankfully it was just a concussion because it could have been a, a lot worse. And we'll see how, um, you know, how se- severe that concussion is. I can say this much. Uh, I know a guy who was flying to New York out of CVG the next morning and ended up sitting in the airport next to Hangman Page and chatted up with him, and he seemed to be doing in good spirits and this, that, and the other thing. So I'm getting that secondhand information, but all accounts the next morning, he seemed to be doing just fine. So I, I can at least say that much right there. Uh, but man, it was just an unfortunate end to what was overall a really great show on Tuesday night. Hot crowd to be there. Fantastic atmosphere as it typically is in these AEW shows. But man, you couldn't help but be in the stands and you could just feel the wind sucked out of it because very quickly you could tell this wasn't normal. This wasn't what was supposed to be going down. The doctors were very quick to get into the ring. So I think everybody reacted in a perfect way uh, to an unfortunate situation, including Mox. But after about two or three minutes of dead silence in the arena and nothing really going on or cooking, you knew something was wrong. Initially, I'm like, oh, shit, there's nine minutes left in this show. They just KO'd Hangman. Are we getting MJF? Are they actually going to have MJF come down after that brilliant promo exchange where where William Regal is screaming at him to earn the damn thing, go out and earn it? He's going to come down and we're going to get the cheap heat title win in Cincinnati. Is that what we're doing here? But it was very quickly realized, no, that was not the plan. MJF came out and, and riffed with John Moxley to set up the match uh, for the AEW championship at full gear. And I talked about the show being spectacular from start to finish. I don't know how it came off on TV SP three because I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. With that exchange between MJF and William Regal, I was captivated. I was glued to my chair. I was hanging on every single word. And as great as MJF was, I was in awe at the fact that William Regal in his rebuttal could barely get a word out at the start because people were booing him so loudly. And then he turned it around and got the crowd behind him by the end of it. That was a masterful 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 promo class and it worked out came back full circle at the end where mjf comes out and says you know what regal for the first time in my miserable fucking life or i'm paraphrasing whatever it was he says i'm gonna earn it i want you at 110 so you know there's no doubt that i'm better than you and you know it moxley mjf full gear i'm just getting goosebumps thinking about this the MJF face turn was always going to be interesting. We're starting to get the the layers peeled back on just why MJF is that asshole that he is. And that exchange, that history that he brought up with William Regal, all of this was just so perfectly well done on Tuesday. It was the best promo exchange, the best promo segment of 2022. I, I think that the only things that compare to it this year have been other stuff with MJF. MJF. Whether it's his pipe bomb on the June 1st episode of Dynamite, whether it's his syndrome uh, villain origin story against CM Punk in the build-up to Revolution. So, yeah, all those ones are up there, but this one was just such a great story because of what it sets up. Yes, it, it, it 
adds another layer to the ongoing story of the will he won't he as far as uh mjf turning babyface we know the reports have said wrestling observer has reported mjf doesn't want to turn babyface but the crowd is saying he should but william regal i, I have to hand it to him because he is just so good at this just yeah. how he was able to kind of flip the crowd and you know mjf story about being 19 years old going to the tryout being the best at the tryout but being too young for wwe and sending the emails to to william regal it made you feel like oh you, you had the fan saying you you effed up to william regal because he did hire mjf when he was 19 and then mjf saying like the the, the email that he sent about you know they only want the best telling the world so he hit us up when you're one of them and it made him it made him want to quit wrestling it made him want to take his own life you you wanted to rally behind him and then boy Regal just said man I was 16 years old when I started wrestling. I was getting beat up by grown men. I had blood coming out of parts of my body that I didn't even know existed. So if it was an email that needed to get this out of you, then consider yourself lucky. Lucky. That was just like, oh my God, he turned us. Yes, we were stupid. <laughs> to go with MJF. MJF is another guy. He. This is why he is a student of the CM Punk game. He lives off of pettiness. That's his character trait. He does all of this. He is the jerk that we that that people are now loving to hate because he of all this pettiness that he has because his favorite wrestler, his hero, uh, you know, quit the business because yeah. William Regal, someone he respected, someone that he thought it was could be his mentor, rejected him. He's all built on pettiness and a chip on his shoulder, and it creates a great story and it creates a great situation where yes, they can go the route of MJF turning babyface, but if MJF prefers to be heel. I think the best thing to do, and I have to hand it to Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer newsletter, because I didn't really think of this coming out of the promo. But once he said it, I was like, yeah, that makes perfect sense. The way to turn MJF heel and make him stay heel is William Regal turning on John Moxley at yeah. full gear and aligning with MJF. And then you have the whole Blackpool Combat Club against MJF as a heel world champion. That's That would be the brilliant, a brilliant way to go about all of this from this excellent promo segment. And it would elevate this promo segment because you have the origin story and then to have we Regal be like, yeah, you know what? I was wrong. I'm going to align with this guy over the guys I put my name to. I'm putting my name to this guy in this company. Yeah. That would be a great I mean, it, It's almost like that. It would almost be like this would be the plan from the get-go kind of a thing right like you like william regal would be like the emperor palpatine like behind the scenes like pulling the strings and and getting you know uh darth you know anakin to turn into darth vader and those kind of things except in this case anakin was always bad in in, in mjf and this is some kind of masterful plan you talk about regal's uh response when mjf said i he like he made me want to kill myself and Regal just like borderline starts laughing at him. I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, Regal. Like, God damn. I, I, I love how he, he says, I'm an ODF, an ordinary decent villain. <laughs> and that was the other thing that was so good. Like he's sitting there telling him like, yeah, I was a bad guy, but I didn't hit people like Tony Schiavone, right? 
I did anytime I pulled out these brass knocks, it's not that I wanted I needed to hit people with them. I just love bloody knocking people unconscious, right? It's like he enjoyed doing it. He didn't need to. And just really leaned into the fact that MJF always knocks out the people with dynamite diamond ring because that's what he needed to do to win that match. And it's not that he's actually better. So I do kind of like that idea of Regal once again pushing the right buttons and playing a long game and pulling the strings with MJF to get him to his full potential and then stand there as the proud overlord as MJF raises up the AEW World Championship. I would be 100% uh, on board with that. That said, again, I've I've brought this up a, a million times. I go back to the AEW media scrum where Chris Jericho says, Chris Jericho mentioned the fact that he talked to MJF and said, hey, look, when you come back, you're going to be a babyface. And MJF's like, I don't want to fucking be a babyface. I don't know what the hell that that looks like, right? And Jericho's like, you'll, you'll figure it out, right? Like, that's that's what happens. You'll figure it out. And he's like, MJF will be the biggest babyface in our business, and he'll be a game changer because of it. And I think that's why you have to go that way, because it's going that way, and it's effing brilliant right now. They're in a win-win situation. I think any way that they decide to go, is going to work out flawlessly. I, I, the only way they could fuck this up, in my opinion, is to not have MJF win the AEW World Championship at full gear. He's got to win that belt. He has to. By hook, by crook, heel, babyface. I love John Moxley, the king of Cincinnati. MJF needs to be the world champion coming out of uh, Newark, New Jersey. 100%. Uh, this is his coronation. Full gear has now become the place where they crown new world champions. Hopefully, I'll be there. So that would be great to witness that live once again, like I did last year at Full Gear when Hangman was crowned. And it seems like Full Gear is also the place not only where new champions, new world champions are crowned, where originals, AEW originals are crowned AEW world champions. And I'm looking at that weekend. I'm off that weekend. I'm like, how far the drive is Newark, New Jersey? Could I get there in and out? Like, I kind of want to be there for this because I feel like it's going to be a really big effing deal. Real quick, SP3, because I brought this up on Tuesday. I wanted to get your opinion on it. This is your your favorite shit's going down here. Wrestling Observer Today reporting. WWE is considering being, bringing back King of the Ring and the Queen's Crown Tournaments. Your reaction. Ah, your reaction. Oh, man. This is why I said. That's why I turned it down when you brought it up the other day. Because I was, you was like, you was like Elise. You as Elise, uh, you know, innovative and creative, like one year King of the Ring, the next year Queen's Crown. At least that's a little bit creative. No, if we think, dude, we have learned. We should have learned from the last time. It's not just because Vince McMahon can't book it. I I mean, dude, uh, Triple H don't have a great track record with tournaments either. Like, yeah, he, he's I done great you. with the May Young Classics and the Cruiserweight, you know, uh, Cruiserweight, uh, Cruiserweight Classic and May Young Classic, those are great. But on NXT television, all I remember is that the first breakout tournament was won by Jordan Miles. You remember Jordan Miles? Oh, it was now ACH. Shit. It was now ACH. That worked out great. All I'm gonna say, if you're gonna bring him back, gotta mean something, man. They gotta mean something. I mean, as much as we all were happy when Xavier won. The King of the Ring tournament. That's all he wanted his entire life was to win the King of the Ring. They let him be king for like two fucking months. And then he got hurt and he came back and all of a sudden the crown was gone. We're like, what? Queen Zelina ain't Queen Zelina no more. 
It's like they went the complete opposite. King Corbin was King Corbin for like two fucking years and never won a match. <laughs> so, in fact, he lost his crown to Shinsuke Nakamura after two years. Then they finally bring the tournaments back. They don't mean a fucking thing. They need to mean something if you're going to bring it back. Don't just do it. Don't fucking do it. Speaking of Triple H. This. Oop, wrong button. There we go. It's time <laughs> to answer the five counts on the Believe Podcast Network. False start. Rick Uchino, five-yard penalty. Go to bet online. Use our promo code Believe to get 100% back on your first deposit. On actual sports betting. <laughs> Oops. Speaking of Triple H, we talked about it earlier. I said we were going to circle back to this. This is a very interesting question to me, SP3. He's all about doing what's best for business. CM Punk is healthy. His non-compete is over. He is a free agent. Do you pick up the phone? Do you call CM Punk? Do you see if you can work out a deal to bring him back to WWE? Do you see a scenario in which that would behoove Triple H to do that from a business standpoint. Yeah, I can see a scenario because it would be like the big move to to get the guy who was the guy that Tony Khan decided to put AEW on the back of. Like he was the biggest signing. He was a part of the biggest pay-per-view buy race that the company ever did, the biggest ratings that they ever draw. It just makes a whole bunch of sense. And this is like a moment that no one thought would ever happen again. Like it was similar to Brett the Hitman Hart coming back to WWE. A lot of people in like 98, 99 thought it would never happen the way he left the company and the way CM Punk left the company in 2014, 2015, 2016. People wished and hoped it would happen. They would chant his name. But like 2017, 2018, they was like, oh, it ain't happening. Then the dude shows up on WWE backstage and we're like, there's a chance. Yeah. And then that quickly, that quickly disappeared. So, yeah, it would be kind of the big stamp. If you want a bigger return to the company than your Bray Wyatt's and your Sasha Banks, CM Punk would be that. He would be the guy, but there there are a lot of questions there. And I got to give a shout out to Jeremy Lambert of Fightful because he was the guy who tweeted it this morning when I saw it and it made a ton of sense. Look, there there is a lot that that comes with this guy including the option of how does it upset the apple cart that you bring this guy into the locker room we saw in a very short time what happened in the aew locker room i mean remember like this time last year when punk was back wwe was in the rut everybody is singing aew's praises everybody's happy we got cm punk tweeting back and forth with hangman adam page about assless chaps and this that and the other thing and everybody's having a great time and then fast forward a year later, Triple H is in charge of WWE. Everybody's having a great time. The product is better than it's ever been. AEW is still turning out a great product, but it is nothing but backstage turmoil and fights between this, that, and the other people. And, and it's spreading to guys like Eddie Kingston and Sammy Guevara and, uh, and uh, Andrade. You got guys who are asking for their release. There's a lot of negative stuff going on backstage, and Tony Khan is trying to corral it, rallying the troops behind guys like John Moxley and, and, and Chris Jericho. But all of a sudden, it ain't all sunshine and roses and lollipops and daisies in AEW. And I'm not saying it is in WWE either. You're, you're fooling yourself if you think everybody's holding hands and singing Kumbaya backstage in WWE. It don't work that way. You're not going to get along with everybody you work with. Chances are you know that with whatever job you're at on your present day. All right? So... 
it's amazing how quickly things can change. And that locker room in AEW deteriorated around CM Punk very, very quickly. This is a guy with a strong personality who tends to butt heads. And the other question I have, for, and I brought it up earlier, is the durability factor. If, if, if all of the backstage bullshit never happened, if CM Punk didn't blow up on that pr press scrum and shit all over Kenny Omega and the elite and led to that, that brawl backstage, CM Punk still wouldn't be the AEW world champion for the second time because he got hurt again. So he gets the foot injury diving into this, into the stands, which was kind of a dumb fuck thing to do, but he did it multiple times without being hurt anyway. It's just part of his character. He's a man of the people. Fine. Hits his foot on the guardrail. Freak accident. Could happen to anybody, right? Second match beats John Moxley. Tears his tricep in the match. Now, all of a sudden, you got a pattern. And now you have to start worrying yourself. So if you are Triple H, I agree with you. If you're looking at this, I think you have to do it as either a one-off or a, a, a Legends part-time thing. There's no way you can give a full ironclad, big, multi-million dollar, multi-year deal to CM Punk. You just can't because of the baggage that comes with him, because of the injury concerns that come with him. He is at an older age and, you know, Heck, look at look at Edge. Edge is wrestling great at an older age, but he also gets banged up from time to time. He himself sort tore his triceps when he came back after a lengthy absence. So um, there's a lot of risk factors there with CM Punk about what it would do to morale, what it would do to backstage, you know. And honestly, who would Punk work with? That's the other big thing. He goes back to the like WWE. If it's for like a one-time match, like who's the big guy? Is it Cody Rhodes? Is that who you bring back? Is it CM Punk versus Cody Rhodes? What do what do you do there? Oh, it's definitely back? it's either Roman. You either do Roman, you do Triple, and no, well, Triple H's not wrestling again. Yeah, he so can't. That's, wrestle. Out, that's out there. He ain't, he but ain't pulling but the you do you do Roman Reigns. You do Roman Reigns if you don't want to. If you want to do it at WrestleMania and Roman's versus in The Rock, you do Seth Rollins. Then yeah. like he's got to verse one of the top guys. There is there is no option. The Cody Rhodes would be cool, but we've kind of been there, kind of done that as far as them facing in WWE. Yeah, it has a different aura to them because they're the two guys you got from AEW. So that's definitely, you know, on the options. But I would definitely put Roman and Seth ahead of. Them. That's totally fair. 100 percent fair. Um be interesting to see what happens. First things first, the buyout has to, to come to fruition. And as of right now, we just know that it's being worked on uh, for one night, one night only SP three. We got the AEW NXT Tuesday night war. It's going to be very interesting to see how the rating shook out. We asked this week whether or not WWE had a prayer of beating AEW because they were apparently all in reportedly on knocking off AEW this Tuesday. They got close. They got close. It was a really high rating for, for NXT for where they're comparably are on their normal night on Tuesday. AEW did take a bit of a dip. I think it was somewhere in the ballpark of 750 to 680, somewhere in there. It was close. It was, it was within 100,000 viewers. Uh, NXT won, or uh, AEW won in the demo. Um, your reaction to, to AEW kind of squeaking out the win there on the Tuesday Night War? I mean, it made sense to me. I mean, compared to what NXT usually does, I didn't expect AEW to switch nights and still get their 900,000 to 1 million viewers, especially when you're 
competition is the MLB playoffs yeah. and the NBA and the NBA opening week. So I think that anyone who thought AEW was going to smash them and like, uh, you know, a blowout on a Tuesday night, that was foolish. Honestly, NXT should have had the advantage if they're up in the ratings and AEW has to switch nights and not only are going to, they have to go, you both have to go against the same sports competition. AEW is more affected by people watching sports than WWE ever is. Yeah. WWE had all the makings to win this, especially when they're throwing and advertising about 10 to 12 main <laughs> roster people and throw in like two or three surprises on top of that. This yeah. is not a developmental show. Like I, I love the WWE fans that are so upset. Like I wrote an article for wrestle talk and the article just in the headline was AEW beats NXT in the head to head matchup. And people got so upset with that. Are you trying to tell me that wrestling fans got upset about something? No, they got upset because a company lost to another company in the ratings. The thing that they said didn't matter, but it sure does matter when I say someone beat them in the ratings. They, oh, AEW had to stack up and have four world title matches against a developmental show and only won by 76,000 viewers. Oh, my goodness. Stop it. This was not a developmental show. This had <laughs> Kevin Owens on it. This Rhea, Ripley. Rhea Ripley, Raquel Rodriguez, the OC, Shinsuke Nakamura. Are you yeah. kidding me? This is this was this was raw and SmackDown light. Here's my reaction to it. This was a good night for professional wrestling, period. Because they were both both shows were facing stiff competition. AEW had a tough draw going up against the, the the MLB playoffs there was a chance they could have been preempted luckily the New York Yankees took care of business ahead of uh, ahead of that and and uh, what are they are they up uh, yeah but are they aren't they down like two nothing to the we're Astros up, we're down oh two but we come <laughs> back from greater deficits ladies and gentlemen please but uh beat the piss out of Dusty Baker please just do it I, I hope I hope <laughs> uh but yeah I mean uh it, it lucked out with that, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, this this was a good night. They had stiff competition, Major League Baseball playoffs, NBA, NHL getting underway, all of that. AEW had to switch nights, got people out of their rhythm, and still 1.4 million people tuned into both shows. The ratings are going up for NXT. All things considered, AEW, with a really, really great show, did a really good number. Let's just be happy with that and stop the fucking fighting. Yeah. Speaking of that, decent. Yeah, I, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Um, I've I've had my kids kids all week. I want to watch that before Halloween having this weekend. But, um, speaking of people losing their minds on the internet, SP three. Um, I saw that Athena was trending this week. A lot of people talking about Athena online, which honestly they should on a, on a regular basis because she's one of the best doing it right now. And I wish she got more time. Uh, to showcase that, not just on Dark and Elevation and all this other stuff, but to actually have more matches on Rampage and, you know, Dynamite and things like that because she's really fucking good at what she does, and I can't stress that enough. She's really good at what she does. Now, this should not have come to a surprise to me considering the level of vitriol that just spews out of every corner of the goddamn internets, but we had people losing their ever-loving mind 
right? It was a six-minute match that Athena had in Toronto with Jody Threat. If you don't know who Jody Threat is, I didn't know much about her myself, but I did some research after this came down. Canadian independent star. Seems to have a lot of talent. I've watched a few of her matches. Nothing anywhere, like, if you haven't watched any of Jody Threat's matches, and you're one of these people who's complaining about Athena, go watch Jody Threat's matches and then go back and watch that Athena match on Dark because there were people losing their minds, SP3, taking like a 15-second clip of Athena laying in some forearms, saying all this kind of like she's beating this jobber's ass, she's uh, she's being a, a, a danger, she's just being reckless. I saw somebody say she should be fired. Fired, SP3. We're laying in a couple of stiff-looking forearms, and then we had people whose opinion that I actually respect look at the vertical suplex dump out to the to the bottom floor saying, that's such a dangerous move. What are we doing? Tony Khan's going to get somebody killed. And then we get the report, SP3, from Fightful Select that AEW actually pulled them aside because the match got too aggressive for their liking motherfucker you guys literally put on a giant cage match this year called blood and guts where you had a dude get hung off the side of the cage like he just got butchered by predator and you are gonna sit here and tell me that this match is too aggressive for you guys what the fuck is happening sp3 this 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 double standard when it comes to women's professional wrestling is so blatantly obvious and it needs to stop because these same mouth breathers online who are sitting there hemming and hawing over some forearms for Athena would be standing at attention applauding when it's Seamus and Gunther doing the same fucking thing god damn it what are we doing I'm not as angry as uh, Rick is <laughs> ladies and gentlemen all I will say is that AEW I think they did the right thing by going to them and asking them if everything was all right, if they felt like it was too aggressive. And what they did find out is that Jody Threat kind of uh, like um, didn't re didn't remember a spot in her comeback and Athena kind of improvised all of that. And that's why it looked more aggressive than what it actually was. So I think AEW was on the right. So we don't we don't need to kind of criticize them for that, regardless of putting on blood and guts and barbed wire everywhere matchup. If a match looks like it didn't go the way it was supposed to go. And then you find out it didn't go the way it was supposed to go. Then the company, the company, we should be criticizing the company if they didn't go to Athena and Jody no, Threat. I have no problem with them pulling them aside and just saying, hey, everything cool, everything go all right, that's fine. But when I do read that line that the match was too aggressive for AEW management's liking, that's where I kind of took it. To, and I'm not really mad and I'm not going to nitpick and all that kind of stuff. I got on a roll there. My my thought process is here for the these people more online than anything who are just yeah. jumping all over this and I'm going what are we doing? As what are we as doing? The, as far as the people jumping online, that's what they do. <laughs> There's a literally pages dedicated to AEW botches. There's literally a video that's someone that we very much respect constantly retweets of of stuff that happened like two three years ago. <laughs> Hey, they they add a new clip to it and they'd be like, see, it's still going on, still happening, still happening to this day. These people need to have a performance center. There's fans that say AEW should have a performance center. Like Taz was like, um, 
God. Taz was like, a performance center is just a cool name for a good wrestling school. And I, I hate to tell you this, most of the people working for AEW, most of the clips you show, these people graduated from good wrestling schools. Regardless of it having a performance center or not, AEW has a training school with the Nightmare Factory. So they have people that can work on yeah. things. This was just one instant, and I feel like it completely got overblown. You had people saying that Athena was taking out her frustration with not being on Dynamite and all these other stuff. When she was on Dynamite like two weeks ago! What are oh. we talking about here? What are we talking? What are we doing here? Guys, and here's the other thing. It's a wrestling match. What, what do you want it to look like? There's nothing, SP3, that takes me out of a match more than a, a weak-looking punch that gets sold like somebody got hit with an Atlas stone. It completely takes me out of it. The number one rule in wrestling is make it believable. Make it look real. Protect your opponent at all costs, absolutely. But it's a fucking wrestling match, man. Shots are going to look stiff. Sometimes you're going to land kicks. Sometimes you're going to land punches. Sometimes you're going to have a really bad-looking bump that's going to hurt way more than what it looked like. It's pro wrestling. They signed up for this shit. The era of lingerie pillow fights is fucking over. These women want to go and prove that they're just as good as the guys. Fucking let them cook. Let them work. God damn. I remember when people lost their fucking mind, SP3, when Randy Orton gave an RKO to Beth Phoenix. That is a front bump. It boils down to a basic front bump, and people lost their damn minds because Randy Orton gave Beth Phoenix an RKO. What hell doing? Stop it. Stop it. SP3, we were both kind of uh, scratching our heads at the time when Bianca Belair retained her Raw Women's Championship over Bayley uh, at Extreme Rules in that ladder match. Both, we both kind of thought that it was Bayley's time to win that championship. Uh, but the fact that that did not happen meant that Bianca Belair made some history this week. Now, over 200 days as the reigning Raw Women's Champion, and she has become the first black WWE superstar, male or female, to hold a world championship for more than 200 days. Your thoughts on that? Uh, definitely it's w worthy of praise and congratulations to Bianca Belair. She is well-deserving of this. She is kind of a, a poster child when you think about people that are homegrown talent from WWE, like started off in the Performance Center and worked their way up. Bianca Belair is like a hallmark for that. She is probably the, the star that has reached the highest apex. You know, I know there's going to be people that say, well, what about Roman Reigns? Roman Reigns wasn't trained at the Performance Center. Uh, so <laughs> Seth Rollins was not trained at the Performance Center. Yeah. Anyone you can name, maybe Charlotte Flair, you could say, yeah, a lot of her training came at the Performance Center, but the fact that Bianca Belair has this, you know, athletic background, being an athlete and, you know, just her story and then being African-American on top of that i think that she is a true kind of uh you know uh inspirational story coming out of the performance center and she's well deserving i think her booking has been very much strong uh over you know the victory with bailey over the last over the last year despite the company not always focusing on her i yeah. felt like the first half of this reign the focus was more on becky than bianca and then the second half of the reign especially the build up to extreme rules the focus was more on bailey and damage control than bianca at least she still held 
has held this championship and she's really creating her own legacy. And this is the reign that I wish she would have had last year. Maybe uh, she would be even a bigger star now if they would have done this last year, but I'm happy that they're getting it done now. Yeah. I mean, look, Bianca Belair is a, a once in a generation talent. And I mean that because she, the stuff that she's able to do in the ring, it never ceases to amaze me because she makes it look effortless. She makes the most difficult shit look incredibly, incredibly easy. And she is over with the crowd. She knows how to talk. She, she is being booked uh, stronger than any woman not named Ronda Rousey or any of the four horsewomen has ever had in, in, in WWE for that matter. Um, and maybe even stronger than some of the four horsewomen. I think she's officially hit that, that upper echelon level uh, as far as the women's division that we've talked about. And she has really kind of carried this division on raw and she deserves everything because she is that damn good. And it does make me happy to see her get a run like this. And it's the fact that she's not only just like an inspiration to people at the performance center as someone that has a young black uh, female child, a daughter. I it, she is the type of person that I would put on the TV for my daughter and be like, I want you to strive, whatever it is. If it's wrestling, that's great. If it's not wrestling, whatever you do, strive to be as good as it as Bianca Belair is to her craft. So, they, you know, I, I just love that Bianca Belair is that representation that is so needed that hasn't always been seen in WWE. It's great to see. 100%. We do have a premium live event this weekend saturday night halloween havoc on the cock a lot of big matches any bold big and bold predictions for halloween havoc this weekend sp3 this saturday october 22nd 2022 halloween havoc will end with austin theory as your oh. new NXT champion. I think this is this is Triple H's big big trump car. Everybody was like, "Oh man, Austin Theory's been losing so much. Oh man, he's not gonna cash in this Money in the Bank to beat Roman Reigns." Well, no, the booking of Money in the Bank historically has been this Money in the Bank winners go on long losing streaks before they cash in successfully and win a championship, and they will continue the tradition that Vince McMahon started. Tribulation Shawn Michaels will continue it by having Austin Theory not only cash in successfully but make history by becoming the first man to cash in on the NXT championship. That means he would have started in NXT, gone up to Raw, went back down to NXT, go back up to Raw, and then come back down to NXT once again. Um, I, I, I would like that better than him cashing in on Roman Reigns and failing. Hey. And each time he's gotten higher on the card, he was a lower and lower card guy. The first time he got called up then he goes back, he gets a little bit more of a prominent position with Johnny Gargano in the way, goes yeah. back to raw, gets a push there, wins money in the bank, comes back. And now he's going to be the top guy. Here's my bold prediction. Again, check out my uh, interview with Apollo Cruz, which is now up right now. That match intrigues me because it's a spin the wheel, make the deal. We don't know what type of match we are getting, SP3. We have no idea what type of match we are getting. All I'll say is this. There has not been this much focus 
on somebody's damn eyeball since Rollins and Mysterio. We are getting eye for an eye two at Halloween Havoc tomorrow between Grayson Waller and Apollo Crews. That is my bold prediction. Eye for an eye two at Halloween Havoc this weekend. And I think Chucky will get involved probably. We'll probably just get a blindfold match. Probably. Bird box match. <laughs> a blindfold <laughs> match. Oh, man. <laughs> I did ask Apollo about that possibility. You can check out his response. Uh, again, that interview is up in its entirety uh, right now. SB3, probably big weekend for you over at True Heel Heat, yeah? Yes, we got True Heel Heat uh, 198 coming in on, on episode 200 in a few weeks. Uh, we're going to be previewing a last preview for NXT Halloween Havoc. Talk about the week in wrestling, Punk not coming back, uh, Bray Wyatt news, all that good stuff over on True Hill Heat. It'll be myself, Miss Chrissy Love, and Chris G uh, talking about the week in wrestling. So check that out and check out my NXT Halloween Havoc preview with Romeo up on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel right now. Very good. Don't forget, guys, uh, if you like what you heard today, hit that thumbs up button. Really does help our audience. Turn on the notifications uh, so you can get the, those alerts whenever we do uh, put up some new content for you guys. And if you're new to the channel and you haven't subscribed yet, please do it. Also, check out my pinned tweet. Find out how you can win $100 cash money to either WWE or AEW shop uh, as soon as we hit 500 subscribers. We are we are inching there. We're getting there. We're going to get there by the end of the year. I can absolutely feel it enjoy smackdown rampage halloween havoc uh lost in the mid card with jeremy and matt we'll be back 7 p.m monday night sp3 and myself will be back 2 15 live uh once again on tuesday afternoon until then enjoy your weekend this has been the believe in pro wrestling podcast brought to you by bet online thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.